0: Greetings, and welcome to St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. It is with deep sorrow that I must inform you that Cindy Rossborough went home to be with God this past Tuesday. I ask that we all hold her family in prayer as they travel this season of grief. May God's peace that surpasses all understanding envelop them and hold them and comfort them in this season of sorrow. Leading worship today are Christina Blum and her father, Tim Blum. Our psalmist is Tom Good. Our storyteller is Sheila Black. And David Berry is our organist and music director. And I am the Reverend Susan Brazier. Let us worship God. Lent calls us to journey this day and every day, following Jesus wherever he leads. Lent calls us to journey to the place where God covenants with us to receive new names we are given. Lent calls us to worship together, to tell future generations of the good news. Lent calls us to practice justice, to bring God's hope to all people. Lent calls us to faithful living, to trust the one who gives us life. Lent calls each of us to take up our cross, to trust the one who bears it with us. Let calls us to journey with God. Let us worship God who walks with us this day and every day.
1: bearing couple to parent your holy people, calling us to set aside ourselves and to shoulder a cross, sharing us with love and mercy when we do nothing to deserve these gifts. You always act in ways which surprise us, God of our parents. In hospital rooms where we wait in anxious expectations, in classrooms where we chew on pencils while taking tests, in this unholy mess we call life. You always call us to faithfulness and trust, cross bear for us all. In the warmth of spring's approach, we hear your voice. In the moonlight of winter's last night, we see your face. In the silence of a child sleeping, we are breath in your grace. You are always with us in the ordinary moments of life. Spirit of holiness. God in community, holy and one. May we see you, hear you, and know you as we move through this Lenten season. Amen.
2: Are you ready for the story? Let's take a deep breath. The desert is a dangerous place. In the daytime, it's very hot, and you have to cover up, or you will burn. There's no water in the desert. It's hard to find food, if there's any food at all. At night, it's very cold. You have to bundle up, or you will freeze. Now, after the flood, the animals went out into the four corners of the earth to fill it up with life again. The people settled along the rivers. They settled in small towns and big cities. city of Ur was the most important, most ancient city. The people there thought that there were gods for everything, a god for every flower, every plant, every tree, every grain of sand, the stars in the sky. There were gods everywhere. But there was one family that thought maybe there's one God everywhere. Abram and Sarai were a part of that family. And when it was time for them to go, they didn't know if God would be where they were going. They wondered what it would be like, but they went anyway. They brought their animals. Their grandparents and their children came with them. They walked and they walked and they walked in the heat and the cold of the desert. They camped in the desert at night And during the day, they followed the Euphrates River. It gave them water to drink for themselves and their animals. And then they continued walking, walking, walking. It was a far, far journey. Finally, they saw people coming towards them from Haran. They were nearly there. Abram went out to the edge of the desert. He looked out over the sand. He looked up at the stars. He came so close to God and God came so close to him that he knew what God wanted and God wanted him to go on. And he did. Sarah and Abram Went out into the desert toward Canaan. There was no river to follow, no fresh water to be had. They got to a place called Shechem. Abram went out on a hill and he prayed to God, and God was there. So he built an altar to mark the spot. And then they moved on, further into the desert, until they came to Bethel. Again, Abram went out onto a hill and prayed to God. And God was there. God wasn't just here or there. God was everywhere. So he built an altar. And then they moved on to Hebron, towards Hebron. A long journey through the hot desert. But then they arrived to build their home under the great oaks of Mamre. God took Abram out to the edge of the desert and said, Abram, you are going to be the father of many. Abram laughed. That was funny. Abram was 99 and Sarah was not much younger. Some strangers came in from the desert. Abram invited them into his tent And Sarai made some bread, bread with 35 liters of flour, so much flour. She also served them meat and milk and water, which was their custom. And they said to Abram, you are going to have a son, and Sarai will be the mother. Well, Abram laughed again, And Sarah was inside the tent, and she laughed too. The strangers left. And guess what happened? Yes, they had a son. And they laughed with joy. They named their son Laughter, which was Isaac in their language. God said to them, we need to change your name. Abram, you will now become Abraham. And Sarai, you will be Sarah. Now, Sarah was very old, and she died. And she was buried in the cave under the oaks. Abraham was very sad. He was lonely, and he missed Sarah. But he had one last thing to do. He asked his best helper to go back to the land of his ancestors and find a wife for Isaac. The helper went to the well. And Rebecca was there, and Rebecca was a kind and generous woman, and she invited him to her home. The helper went to the home and told them all about Abraham's Sarah and the great family. And Rebecca decided she wanted to be a part of that family. So back through the cold, hot, dangerous desert they went. It was a long journey. But when Isaac saw them, he ran out to meet them. Pretty soon, Isaac and Rebekah were married. Now Abraham was very, very old and full of years, and he too died. He was buried in the cave with Sarah. becca and isaac had children and they had children and those children had children and that went on for thousands and thousands of years until your grandchildren had children and your mom and dad had children and now you are part of the family of god as many as the stars in the sky as many as the grains of sand on the desert Now I wonder, what part of this story do you like the best? I wonder, where are you in this story? Amen.
3: Gracious God, send your Holy Spirit to move in us and among us, so that we may hear your voice speaking in the Scriptures. Open our minds and hearts to encounter your living word and give us the courage to follow, no matter the cost. Amen. This morning's Old Testament reading is from Genesis 17, verses 1 to 7, and then again 15 to 16. When Abram was a 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. And said to him I am God Almighty walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous then Abram fell on his face and God said to him as for me this is my covenant with you you shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, I will bless her and she shall give rise to nations kings of peoples shall come from her
4: of your people i will praise your name for alone you are wholly enthroned on the praises of israel let us celebrate your goodness and your steadfast love May your name be exalted here on earth and in heaven above. All who love you sing your praises and proclaim your power. For alone you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. You have not ignored our sufferings, but have heard our cry. May your name be exalted here on earth and in heaven above all who seek you rule obeys you and be satisfied for alone you are wholly enthroned on the praises of israel all the peoples of the nations will bow down to you Exalted here on earth and in heaven above. Our
3: epistle reading. From Romans 4 verses 13 to 25 For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law but through the righteousness of faith If it is the adherence of the law who are able to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void For the law brings wrath But there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written. I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom we believe, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous. Shall your descendants be? He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. As he gave glory to God being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness now the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone but for ours also it will be reckoned to us who believe in him Who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses, and was raised for our justification.
0: Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Wow! At the age of 99 and 90, God has Abraham and Sarah signing up for diaper services and daycare. For anyone who feels like they might be too old to do God's work, just note that there is no retirement in God's kingdom. When God first called Abraham and Sarah, way back in chapter 12 of Genesis, They were only a mere 75 and 65, respectively, living in the lovely metropolis of Haran, what is now located in modern-day Turkey. Yep, at the time when most people are thinking of downsizing, getting a cute little condo someplace warm and sunny, God comes along and suggests this great adventure. Pack up everything and head out to this marvelous place I have in mind for you, God says. Make you a great nation." Now understand that Abraham and Sarah apparently had had no previous relationship with God, the great Jehovah, God Almighty, or as our scripture this morning refers to God as the El Shaddai. El usually means Lord or God, and you will hear this word tucked inside other names that we know well, such as Israel, the one who wrestles with God, or or Michael, who is like Jehovah God, Gabriel, strength of God, or the city, Bethel, house of God. I find this a bit weird. God chooses Abraham and Sarah, who were certainly of retirement age, to be the founders of God's chosen people, Israel. Our text suggests no previous relationship In fact, if we investigate the scriptures, God has been pretty quiet since the great flood, only really intervening with that Tower of Babel fiasco. Pretty much, God has been about God things, and people have been about begetting. There is lots of begetting in those first chapters of Genesis, but we don't have any accounts of God being involved with humanity and their begetting, Until this encounter between Abraham and God. God has this little chat with Abraham and tells him, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Pretty heady stuff, even for an old dude of 75. I will make you into a great nation. Implicit in this promise is a solution to the problem that has plagued Abraham and Sarah, the fact that they have no children, on the chance for a child Abraham and Sarah pack up and head out. But as the years wind on, Sarah and Abraham remain childless. God and Abraham continue to have their divine mortal conversations. On one such occasion, Abraham laments to God that his servant, Eliezer of Damascus, will be his heir because he has no offspring. It is here that God takes him outside and says look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can count them then he said to him so shall be your offspring Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteous but while Abraham believed God Sarah thought God might need a little help After all, it had been 11 years since they left Tehran. Sarah is now 75 and still no kid. Thus, she secures a surrogate, her Egyptian servant, Hagar. You have to give Sarah some credit. She does solve the problem. Abraham does have a son, Ishmael, and from Ishmael does come the great people of Islam. But God does not need us to concoct our own plans. God needs us to be faithful to God's plan. The whole Ishmael thing is just, well, exploitative and abusive. When we try to hijack God's plans, we will suffer unexpected and unwanted consequences in today's reading we get to the third time that God promises that Abraham will be the founder of many nations but this time God is explicit that Abraham will have children by his beloved Sarah of course Abraham just laughs Abraham laughs at God that a fellow who is 99 and his 90 year old wife will have children of their own but to this day if you suggest to an elderly woman that her ailments might be caused by pregnancy I guarantee you you will evoke laughter it is no different in the ancient world this covenant is about Sarah it is the first time God explicitly promises that she will be the mother of nations and that Kings will come from her God Remains faithful even in the midst of doubt. We encounter similar expressions of human doubts in this morning's Gospel reading that comes from Mark chapter 8 verses 27 through 38. Listen now for the Word of God. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter spoke up. You are the Messiah, he said. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Jesus now began to teach them something new. There is big trouble in store for the Son of Man, he said. The elders, the chief priests, and the scribes are going to reject him, he will be killed. And after three days, he'll be raised. He said this quite explicitly. At this, Peter took him aside and started to rebuke him. But he turned around and saw the disciple and rebuked Peter. Get behind me, accuser, he said. You're thinking human thoughts, not God's thoughts. He called the crowd to him with his disciples. If any of you want to come the way I'm going, he said, you must say no to your own selves, pick up your cross, and follow me. Yes, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life because of me and the gospel, you'll save it. After all, what use is it to win the world and to lose your life? What can you give in exchange for your life? If you're ashamed of me and my words in this cheating and sinning generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Ah, so just like Sarah, Peter hears Jesus' new teaching that the Son of Man will be killed and decides that God needs a little help. We can just hear Peter saying, hey Jesus, uh, don't be talking that way. All that killing stuff, you, my friend, are the Messiah, the anointed one. You are royalty, the Holy One of God. Messiahs don't suffer and certainly are not killed. Don't be talking such nonsense. Peter, quite clearly, has different plans for Jesus, and those plans revolve around the royal trappings as Jesus came into his kingdom. There is no room for suffering, rejection, and certainly not for being killed. Peter is looking for, he's looking for comfortable Christianity, a faith that reassures us that we are loved and requires nothing of us. Truth is, we are all like Peter. We want to avoid the suffering we see around us as we attempt to skip over Good Friday and Jesus on the cross. Sometimes our faith journey is just really difficult. The road to Easter goes directly through Golgotha. The pain and suffering are not from God. Evil exists and often evil, like Peter's words, wants us to seek a comfortable Christianity. Don't rock the boat. Don't be talking about being killed. How long? often are we invited to just go along to get along? And there is no question that Jesus could have lived out a lifetime of preaching and healing by simply telling those in power what they wanted to hear. No arrest, no trial before Pilate, and certainly no cross. But that only denies the truth. It completely usurps God's plan to liberate humanity from the oppression of corruption, sin, and evil. In this scripture, after Jesus confronts Peter, Jesus says this odd thing about taking up our cross, about being willing to lose our life, to gain our life. The greatest earthly power is the power to take a life. So Jesus teaches this radical concept that we can deny that threat and be liberated from that fear. This this is just a mind-blowing statement. Jesus rejects all earthly power and the fear invoked by the threat of death. And he invites his followers to stand in that liberating space with him. God's love for us God's plan for us is so much more than a culture of cheating and sinning declares. A culture that wants us to stay quiet in the face of evil and to settle for a comfortable Christianity. Peter's doubt, like Sarah's doubt, their their failure to trust that God really does have a plan is part of what it is to be human. We shouldn't be frightened by doubt. We are called to wrestle with it, wrestle with our relationship with God. Remember, the very name of the chosen people of God is Israel, the one who wrestles with God. Lent is a time of honesty. Our doubt-filled relationship with God, we stand on the backs of giants, like Sarah and Peter. And as the Apostle Paul writes in this morning's epistle reading, Abraham struggled with his doubts, but he remained faithful. He trusted God's divine plan. Paul writes, no distrust made him ever waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Quite simply, my friends, god has a plan to bless us our job is to seek diligently after god and to remain faithful in this promise and to try to stay out of the way when god is at work in our lives amen In the prayers of the people. Loving God, today we come before you and thank you for your, the life of your servant, Cindy Rossboro, who you brought home to be with you last Tuesday. We ask that you surround each member of her family with your peace that surpasses all understanding, that you protect and comfort them during these days when the pandemic keeps them separated we pray that all of Cindy's family may soon be able to gather in one place to celebrate her life. Gracious God, we thank you for the vision that you have for our lives, the promises that you have made to us and the journey you opened before us. Today, we remember with gratitude the ways our lives are held secure in these uncertain times by our trust in you We remember moments in these months of the pandemic that made us laugh or smile. We remember moments when we felt your gifts of courage, of patience. We remember times when you helped us to overcome temptation, and we remember the people who love us and give us encouragement. Gracious God, we are grateful for all these signs of your love in our lives. Thank you for the hope they bring us Show us how to share this hope and love with others who are struggling in these very difficult days. Faithful God, we pray for healing and restoration in the world that is our home. Hear us as we name in silence the needs and concerns we carry today. We pray for people, places, and situations deeply in need of your grace, especially as they face the fears and frustrations of coping with covid-19 we pray for those who struggle to feed and clothe and house themselves and their families and all those who worry about their economic future we pray for those who are weak or vulnerable for any reason and for those who lack dignity and respect in our community we pray for the earth and its well-being that areas and species under threat will be cared for. We pray for peace with justice in regions of the world facing turmoil. And we pray for all those offering leadership and service in these times of hope and anxiety, for those planning how to offer vaccines in our community and for those uncertain about the vaccination. By the power of your spirit, O God, work in us and through us may we bring the light of your love of your kingdom into our relationships and into our community in all that we do and say receive our prayers in the name of jesus christ our lord who taught us to pray in these words our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven And now, go out into the world in peace, have courage, hold on to that which is good, return no one evil for evil, strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering. Honor all people, love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you.